Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So the foods we think of as quintessentially Filipino, you know, like chicken adobo, lumpia, maybe pancit or turon, it turns out a lot of those foods were created over centuries of colonization and influence from China, Spain, Malaysia, Japan, and even the U.S. So what makes Filipino food Filipino? Every Thursday, we take you on a food journey around town. And today on CityCast Las Vegas, I get to introduce you to Walbert Castillo. He's the creator of Historia. It's a brand new pop-up restaurant that is changing the way we think about Filipino food. We talk about why Las Vegas might actually be the perfect ground zero for this movement. It's Thursday, April 13th. I'm Sonia Cho Swanson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Well, Walbert Castillo, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here talk about food. And I know that the theme for your upcoming pop-up is pre-colonial Filipino food. So what does that mean? Maybe you can give us a little Filipino history primer. Yeah, happy to dive into it a bit further. So as you know, the Philippines has had a long history of colonizations and influences from so many countries, Hmm. the 300-year-long Spanish colonization, the 40-plus-year colonization of the U.S., but you also have different influences from the Chinese, Arab, Malay, Japanese. It's the same reason why we have egg rolls in our cuisine or why Filipinos predominantly have um, Spanish last names. In a way, the Philippines is almost the melting pot of all these different intersections throughout. And so I guess for us um, with Astoria, we really wanted to understand the archipelago's culinary stories before it's, you know, 300-year-long Spanish colonization. And what does Historia mean? How did you choose that name? So Historia means story in English. The reason for that was essentially sort of my background. Um, So I studied journalism in college. And, you know, after graduating, I worked at USA Today as an associate producer in D.C. And so, I don't know, Historia has sort of been this, this passion project of mine where we're focused on storytelling, but also the exploration of Filipino cuisine. Uh, It's funny, I always joke around, and one of my team members had told me, when you talk about the Philippines, there's always three Fs that are central to Filipinos. It's food, family, and photos. Like photographs? Yeah, with a Filipino accent. Yeah, Ah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about that that menu, because you have a pop-up coming up on April 25th. The theme is going to be pre-colonial foods. So can you walk us through some of the menu items and explain how they're pre-colonial? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad you asked this question. And I get so excited 
whenever I talk about the menu, because it's something that I, you know, we've all poured our heart and soul into, especially our chef, Catherine Carlucci. One of the things that Astoria does is we partner with culinary historians from the Philippines to validate the authenticity of the dishes we serve from Mm -hmm. island to table, while also paying respect to the cultural history that we're taking inspiration from. So there's one dish that we have called the Kamayan charcuterie board. One thing that I found very interesting was that Kamayan is translated to eat with your hands, Mm. right? And so a lot of the dishes that we know in terms of the pre-colonial Filipino origin, in terms of its nomenclature, we would name dishes based on the culinary technique. So Kamayan was to like eat with your hands. I think some people might be familiar with the image of like the the banana leaves spread on the table, the brightly colored like foods laid out on the banana leaf. Is that the Kamayan? That is that is a form of Kamayan. So okay, um, and that's actually a very interesting story too because there are so many different forms of Kamayan that actually started with um, they call it boodle fight. So boodle fight was sort of this idea where if you were in uh, the military, uh, they would lay out the the food all across the table across these banana leaves, and they would call it a boodle fight because it was a fight to get your food. And so so now you can us, you can fight fight your sister and fight your brother. Yes. For the yes, food. exactly. Exactly. And you use your hands, right? So nice. d- depending on how you feel, of course, you can eat it with gloves. But if you uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, want to go the old fashioned way, use your hands. And so, so, so you'd be serving, you'd be serving kind of a, a, a charcuterie, but Kamayan style on that's correct the tables okay cool what are real quick then maybe what are a couple more items to you that are kind of pre-colonial we are serving an a la carte menu uh with uh, a few different dishes so kanilao um is the second dish and that's sort of like a tuna ceviche but we're mm. doing it in a different style and approach since chef Catherine has sort of this contemporary take and experience within working in the culinary industry you'll find that while the ingredients are native to the archipelago of which is Philippines, you're going to find that they are being prepared in different ways and different uh, culinary techniques are being utilized. Ooh, what are some of the ingredients? Yeah, so kanilao, uh, usually that's like a ceviche, so it's chopped, right? This one is more of a carpaccio kind of take. So it's like thin slices of tuna with coconut, ginger, and lime. Coconut was a very prevalent ingredient uh, during this time, as with all things pre-colonial. And so you're going to see a lot of coconut flavors in some of the dishes that we create. Another one is ube. And this ube dish is so exciting. It's prepared in a gratin style way, like potatoes au gratin. And so Mm -hmm. that sort of culinary technique was used because ube is sort of a purple yam, right? And so purple yam, turmeric, we add some cream in there. And then this one's really unique because what we're doing is when you receive this dish and you order it, we're actually grating pre-colonial Filipino salt on this dish. Oh, and so what is that? Yeah, the, yeah it's called asin tibuok, and they call it the dinosaur egg. And it's made by hmm. this one family in the Bohol region um, in the Philippines. And so it takes anywhere between three to five months to create one of these dinosaur eggs. It gives you roasted sea salt sort of nodes in your dish. The next pop-up dinner, you'll see these dinosaur eggs on your table and you'll be like, wait, what's what's happening here? (laughs) 
So what are some of the ingredients that you would see in Filipino food today that are from Spanish influence that you would not serve in this meal? Like what ingredients came from, from the Spaniards, I guess? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the dishes that we serve on our menu is the Pyongang uh, Cornish hen. And so Pyongang is sort of uh, this dish that dives a bit deeper into how pre-colonial Filipinos were just efficient with the way they use fire. So even after the fire was burnt out, they would still use the ash or the charcoal as a means to continue preparing dishes. You know, this dish would have, as it evolved over time, it would have chili peppers. But because we're sticking to the roots and, you know, the time period of that is pre-colonial, we're purposefully removing the peppers in that dish. Hmm. And so... So the chili peppers would have come in from the Spanish? Yes, okay. yes. Huh. Yeah, that's correct. What, what else came in with the Spanish? Maybe that we would consider modern-day Filipino food, but actually kind of has those Spanish roots. So the next dish that you might be all familiar with is chicken adobo. I, I, I remember I would go to my, my friend, my Filipino friend's house for dinner sometimes, and they would be like, chicken adobo, it's so traditional. And I'm like, yes, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It has like the perfect amounts of vinegar, perfect amounts of soy sauce, and it's just like, mm, so good. But chicken adobo, adobo, actually adobar is in Spanish, it means to marinate. And so what was really cool is that um, when the Spaniards had stepped foot on on the Philippines, what they learned is that the mutual connection that both the Spaniards and pre-colonial Filipinos shared was that they both shared uh, cooking techniques that used vinegar. The Spaniards marinated their meats, whereas the Filipinos cooked in vinegar. So it wasn't just ingredients that the Spanish brought over. It was also techniques. Techniques. And then they found that commonality. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess one thing I'm kind of wondering is if pre-colonial cuisine is any more authentic, actually, than modern day Filipino cuisine. Um, So just to give you a little context, like thinking about it from the Korean perspective, I'm Korean American. My mom's family is Korean. I've lived there for several years and I thought a lot about Korean food and like written about Korean food and and really struggled with the, the way that there are a lot of colonial influences, both Japanese and American and Korean food, too. In some ways, are they still part of what makes us who we are, like the good and the bad? You know what I mean? Yeah, you bring up um, such great points about how food has evolved throughout time, right? And so mm-hmm. I guess for us, when you step into any Astoria pop-up dinner, you're going to find that some of the dishes weren't like this carpaccio sort of style or take, right? Um, that you notice within European cuisine or the way that that is being prepared. It's It's been a challenge to really get the, the dishes as they were back then because there is so little written in terms of mm. what was. Mm-hmm. But I think it is important to like have these ingredients and being able to envision what is our sort of contemporary take, right? I mean, when you think about the mission, right, it's like we want to be able to connect in the disconnect with Filipino Americans who might not necessarily know Filipino foods or others, non-Filipinos who might not know what Filipino cuisine is. And so, Or only understand it as like a a modern kind of amalgamation of what it is today, right? And to not understand that it has these distinct roots. Exactly, exactly. 
it's been a journey and you know, I'm continuing to learn from my team in our earlier days of coming up with the origins pop-up menu. We had European culinary terms attached like charcuterie, crudo, gratine, like I had mentioned earlier. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, our original intent was to add these terms to help the public get a sense of what the dishes are for those not familiar with Filipino cuisine. But we decided that, you know, let's modify the names of these dishes to really pay homage to these traditional Filipino names. And so, you know, it's, it's funny and, and kind of redundant, right? You're, when you think of Kamayan is to eat with your hands, but Kanilao is to eat raw. And so in order to, you know, I guess, familiarize people with our cuisine, we thought, would it be helpful if we added these, these terms? And, you know, for us, I think it, it's more important to keep ourselves rooted to their original names. So mm, without the French, mm-hmm. exactly without the French, the Italian, the European sort of umbrella of terms. You know what you're kind of making me think of because you have these modern twists on pre-colonial ingredients like the coconut, like the turmeric, like the the fish and the fresh seafood without the colonial influence. It's almost like what Filipino food might have been if not for colonization. Right. Yeah, no, you bring up a really great observation. Yeah, I think it's it's exciting because, you know, of course, we should all be proud of our origin stories, right? But yeah. then, you know, I think this is the first chapter for Astoria. This pop-up will have multiple installments that'll emphasize different eras and intersections throughout the oh, history of the Philippines. Cool. So chapter one is origins with pre-colonial Philippines, but, you know, chapter two might be a, a Chinese-Filipino-inspired sort of menu. And so that's when we can sort of dip into like the lumpia shanghai, also known as the egg rolls, or like pancit toron, which is like a banana wrapped fried egg roll. So many Ooh. different things. Yeah. And one thing that's that I've... amazing. Yeah. One thing that I've learned across my conversations with my chefs too, the word elevate. Sometimes when we think of food, I oftentimes hear like, oh yeah, the food should be... the f- We're going to be serving elevated cuisine. Mm. And in a way, it's interesting because the the term elevate means like you're kind of leveling up from when it was previously. We've strayed away from using that term. and Because it's it so often means Frenchifying it, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So the word elevate, you know, while we see it today as like this modern take on food, our team has been very diligent in in not showing that what was shouldn't be a level up from where it is we should respect and pay homage to the tradition in, in how it is. And Man, you know, while we're, what I'm hearing, and I just feel like I hear this from so many folks who are second generation or third generation, children of immigrants from, from whatever culture, is this just this sense of longing and, and a longing to reconnect with our heritage, but then also like the freedom to like reconnect and learn and reimagine it on our own terms, which is just so, so exciting to see. Yeah, no, it's been such an awesome process. You know, Astoria started out as this passion project, right, by Filipino Americans who felt disconnected from their own cultural identity. And so I get motivated when I see guests just like enjoying themselves at our pop restaurant, seeing their surprise reactions. And, you know, what's really cool is that our menu right now, it's like six to eight different dishes. So anytime you visit one of our restaurants, you know, oftentimes you'll see a QR code, right? But the QR code that you'll scan will actually take you to first-person renditions of what it was like to be in that period 
to to forage、oh. to cook. Yeah, so every What, single dish while you wait for each, for each menu? menu item. Yeah, so、oh, that's so cool. If you were a pre-colonial Filipino back then, how would you gather? How would you make the dish? Wow, so the different cooking techniques that developed over the course of Filipino history. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, last question: Why is Las Vegas the perfect place to start Historia? I think about this all, all the time, actually, because. I wasn't born and raised here. I came here to Vegas because of my dad, who was diagnosed with dementia、um, two or three years ago. And so, as an only child, I felt like if I never made the move to Vegas, then I would always ask myself, "What if? What if?" And I'm so grateful that I work at a place where I I can be virtual. Um, but also have this side hustle, right? And it sounds like you really found the right community here in Las Vegas to tap into. I have, and so I I think with Astoria, knowing that Vegas has a large Filipino population, we can raise awareness about our roots and the food that we serve from island to table. Filipinos are the largest AAPI group in Las Vegas, and so I think the Las Vegas Asian Chamber of Commerce said. More than two hundred thousand Filipinos make up、um, the AAPI community, so we're the largest and fastest growing AAPI community in the Valley, which is so exciting. What I'm excited for is just this ability to take you to a new experience that doesn't involve simply food on the table, but rather the storytelling experience where you can learn and be surprised and be immersed in this storytelling that is community driven, that is something to be proud of. And if we can do that, then I know we're doing. The Philippines proud, and we're giving light to our own heritage. That's beautifully put. Thank you so much, Walbert. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, CityCast, for having me. Be sure to check out historialv.com. That's i s t o r y a l v.com for more details on their April twenty third pop up. The presale tickets are sold out, but there will be walk-in spots available. And now, a little news before you go: If you visit Death Valley this summer, you might as well leave your dollars and cents at home. The park is going cashless on June first. Turns out, cash is expensive. There's the staff time to count it and armored cars to transport it. The park spent forty thousand dollars to process twenty-two thousand dollars in currency last year. Meanwhile, lawmakers are considering a proposal to require all in-person voting to be conducted on voting machines. You'll recall that Nye County tried to switch to paper balloting in last year's midterm election. Sponsors say their intent is to increase accessibility. That is all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Did you enjoy this delicious episode? Then please go tell a friend. Just hit that share button. Go do it. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Take care. There is this through-line story. That Chef Cat innovated, and 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 I think it's so amazing that she did this. She's, she's so brilliant for it.、Um, but it's this idea of like understanding that pre-colonial Filipinos would gather in the forest, 
then they would hunt fish, and then they would use grain. And so as you get toward the grain, you start to steam and you start to discover fire and you start to discover, you know, different types of sweets, delicacies. So not only are we going through the transformation of, you know, different kinds of foods, we're going through the transformation of the evolution of cooking through this menu, if that makes sense. Wow. 